Welcome back to Soulback. This is the RMB podcast. Kyle here, and I've got Tom with me. Tom, what is going on? What's up, Kyle? We're missing one person yet again. Yeah, I was looking at my Instagram earlier, and it looks like he's drinking uh, Sour Patch Kid Slurpees. That's why Ed he was, is missing. He was double fisting Slurpees. Man, come on. <laughs> How old are you, Ed? Yo, that's dangerous. You could you could be up all night if you did that. Yep, exactly. I stay away. Yeah, but Tom, I read some interesting news. This is a Canadian exclusive, and I'm curious to know if you're going to be coming to Canada to, to try one of these. But uh, KFC just released a new dish called Chachos. Do you know what Chachos are, Tom? I have no idea. They're chicken strips combined with nachos, so they're called chachos. Uh, I would have to see what that looks like. I Is it fried? Yeah, it's fried. Oh, man, sounds dangerous. <laughs> so you won't be partaking in this chachos? I'll probably pass, and I'm not, definitely not coming to Canada just for that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well... Tom, we have a lot to talk about in R&B this week, um, and before we even get started, I know you have to actually leave before our special guest even comes in, so for the first time ever, Tom, it'll just be me and the special guest. Thanks for uh, thanks for hooking me up with that. Listen, I know you'll do a fine job, so you got this. All right, <laughs> but before we get into the special guest and all that, Tom, can we say RIP to Melvin Edmonds? Yeah, that was sad news uh, earlier this week from After 7. Melvin Edmonds, brother of Babyface and Kevon Edmonds, passed away. Uh, it, it, they didn't discuss the cause, but he's I think he's been sick for a while. He hadn't really been touring with the group. Um, when I interviewed them when their album came out, he wasn't there, unfortunately. His son is now in the group, which is cool, who's a great singer. So uh, that was some sad news. Yeah, rest in peace to him. and. It's 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 amazing how the R&B community all came together to celebrate After 7 because, Tom, their last album was actually very solid and they were quite successful with it. Yeah, I, they did a blueprint I wish more groups would follow. They really worked that album. I think they had five singles they pushed to radio and they're still touring off that album and they really caused a resurgence. That was a comeback for them. I just wish more artists would, would work their project and invest in it like they did. Yeah. I'm still thinking about some of those records that they put out on that album. Great album. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom, do we have any fans that you want to shout out? Any listeners? I want to shout out, once again, your our boy, Ben Cromwell. Uh, he chimes in on every single post immediately, lets us know we're doing a great job. Uh, wants you to know that he's actually a real person. I don't know if you caught that comment. But, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta we gotta respect him and and the support and people who support us every single time we do one of these. Um, so yeah, we're just getting a lot of love right now. We appreciate it. We'll continue shouting out who we can every week. Absolutely. Now, Tom, let's get into some new music here. Um, a, a lot actually came out, and Tom, I'm pretty happy with the uh, R&B this year. I must admit, there's been some solid releases. Um, but Lucky Day, he dropped his new album. Paint it, uh, painted, and uh, man, I think you went on record and said it was the album of the year. I said, <laughs> I said it was my favorite, personal favorite. I don't know if it's going to stand up being the album of the year. I do have to take away a few points because he just combined two of his EPs and made that the yeah. album. I mean that, but as far as enjoyment, I really liked it. It's fresh. It combines some of the traditional elements of R and B we're missing with some of the current elements. It's not trappy. It's kind of cool. I mean, it might not be for everyone. He is rap singing a bit. Some of it does get a little vibey at times. But as far as where R&B is headed and evolving to, I feel like this is a good example. And one crazy note, I don't know if anyone would have caught it because it was only on Spotify for like a day. But the song Concentrate, initially when we played it, it had the uh, sample of the, the, the taxi song. But now that when you play it, it it doesn't so curious to see what happened maybe it was a clearance issue let's reach out to our boy and find out for certain yeah we got to find out because that taxi sample works so well with that <laughs> song <laughs> yep yep um 
And then, Tom, another record that uh, you, you were really going nuts over was Kelly Rowland's new EP. I think you were going nuts before me, but yeah, I mean, it was a surprise EP, the Kelly Rowland edition. She worked with some of the, I guess, producers. I don't really, I'm not familiar with this whole situation, but Red Bull Studios, they have a in-house production team or something. Do you know anything about this? I have no idea about it, but she just randomly dropped this EP, and I was like, oh, new music from Kelly Rowland. Because we haven't really heard music from Kelly in a while. She's independent now. But Tom, the first song off that EP... How do, how was she able to execute it so perfectly? It sounds like a 90s song, but it doesn't sound dated. Yeah, but here's the problem, and I thought the exact same thing. It sounds like a 90s song, that's why we like it. It sounds so much better than some of the other stuff she's putting out because she's trying not to force herself to be trendy. She is a 90s artist. She should tap into that sound, and when she does it, it sounds like it works. You know, So hopefully, I'm not, I'm not really optimistic, but hopefully she'll take something from this. <laughs> You know, I saw a lot of good responses to it um, from our readers. A lot of people were feeling it, too. As, and I know you were also. So, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, the record is called Don't You Worry, so go check out that song. And then True or False, Tom, and DJ Soulchild. I know you're going to go nuts over this. But uh, the second song off that EP, Diamonds, that sounds like something DJ Soulchild would have made. <laughs> we'll see what he has to say about it i'm sure he he's gonna be listening and i'm sure his name is yep. gonna come up on this episode once again in the play a please section hint hint oh. <laughs> damn all right um uh, tom am i allowed to rant about sierra for a minute uh well ed's not here so someone's got to do it yeah well just to give you guys some backstory sierra dropped her latest album uh beauty marks probably about two weeks ago, and Tom, initially I had reported, based off my inaccurate Wikipedia facts, that it sold about 2,000 copies first week, and Twitter went crazy, but um, I would like to make a statement and apologize and say that that was not true. She actually sold like 5,000 copies first week. Uh, Tom, as an independent artist, but it being Sierra, who is like a massive celebrity, how do you take that? 5,000 copies, that's not good. I mean, it just kind of goes to show you maybe her fan base support isn't as big as she thought it was or we thought it was. I mean, you know, I I feel like her her albums have always underachieved sales-wise, haven't they? This is true. So, I mean, it wasn't really shocking, but she does have some pretty vocal fans. I mean, some people came clapping back at you real quick. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we need to do this rant because, you know what, and... I'm going to say it like this, and it might get us in trouble, but I'm going to say this right now. I believe Sierra's mainstream career is over. And people are going to want to take that however way they want to, but I think it's all about perspective, right, Tom? Just because your mainstream career is over doesn't mean that your career is over, period. A lot of our favorites, they're not in the mainstream anymore, but they've figured out a way to sustain, you know, after that, that era and um, it, it'll be interesting to see what Sierra does. She has to start dropping better music, though, because to me, this album sounded very poppy. And then she would randomly throw in a couple of trendy songs, and I don't think that's the that's the formula for success. But, Tom, you you posed an interesting question to me. You said, was she really ever a true R&B artist? Yeah, I mean, what do you think about it? It's It's tough because, as I think about it, I don't know if she ever really developed a R&B core fan base. I mean, she's had great R&B songs throughout the years, but it's been pretty inconsistent because for every R&B song that she put out, she also released a pop song. Um, and I think a lot of his, uh, our perspective is skewed because we had 106 in Park at the time and we were a fan of everyone on that thing. So now that we don't have an outlet like that and Sierra really has to speak to the demographic directly, I don't... I don't know. I, I I can't see. I'm just trying to think legacy-wise. You're not going to be able to put her with like a Keisha Cole or a Jasmine Sullivan. Right. That's fair. That's really that's a fair statement. I so, I just don't feel like her singles were timeless. I mean, that maybe that was the issue. Yeah, I mean, because if you think about the timeless records, like her her classic record is probably one two step, 
And that's not really an R&B, R&B record. That's more like a fun party hip-hop type of song. I mean, Goodies was more for the moment, if you think about it. Oh, was a fun yeah. song that we like for the moment. You know, um, what, what else are her biggest singles? Yeah, I mean, what else do we have? We have Promise, which I think is her best song. And probably the closest to, like, attacking that R&B audience. That, that probably is it. Um, I guess Body Party, but that samples an old R&B song, so I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, that, that, I don't know who's going to remember that song without thinking about the original. Um, but yeah, everything else is sort of just like walk that fine line between hip-hop and R&B, and I think that's probably the challenge here. Well, if you remember that song, Ride, was that the one that had like the kind of st- video that was like she was twerking on a car or something? Yeah. Well, that was what? old, but Ride, Ride had a car in it as well. Well, something. I just remember, like, she was more known for the video than the actual song, you know? like, And unfortunately, I think that might be where her career is looked at as. But the interesting thing is, she's rich. She's well off. I mean, her husband makes millions of dollars. He signed a $100 million contract. So if she really was interested in pushing her career, she could use money to boost herself to radio, don't you think? And it, I mean... She has songs that would work at radio. Yeah, you know? Tom, you made an interesting point about this um, because some of the fans started clapping back and they were like, you know what, this is just the beginning of Sierra's career. She's independent now. She has the money to fund herself, to establish her brand. But I think an interesting tweet that you made to reply to all of that was that you know a lot of these artists, they can theoretically go on tour, make their money, use that money for payola or, or for radio to boost their single, but no one really does that. I don't think they have the desire to get back into the music scene and, and try to get back on top. It's a weird situation, but who knows? Doesn't she have a young kid at home? Maybe she's not interested in, uh, you know, being out on the road or, you know, maybe she just wants to stay at home and do music for fun. We don't know her intentions. Yeah, because I think the only person, well, I can think of two people that are really, you know, who are already well off that pursued, you know, music seriously and continue to establish their career. Uh, One was Tyrese, and then I guess Tamiya, right? Yeah, I mean, you named two people who are well off, and I like both of those artists' strategies. You know, Tamiya is another one who's a mother. You know that music isn't her sole focus, and she does it because she loves it. She does push some singles, she makes some good music, and she tours when she wants to, which is a cool thing for, you know, she's able to do that. Tyrese, when he released his last album, had one of the most creative, you know, press runs. You know, he did it all himself. He's able to do that because he's rich. He doesn't need to be grinding, but he did some viral things. It got people talking. He forced people to listen. I really thought that was unique, and no one has really followed that blueprint. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see what Sierra does, but to me, um, just to be clear, and this is not a shot at anybody, but I personally think her mainstream career is probably over, because, like, I look at Jennifer Lopez, who, she performs at every major award show, but I don't know how many people still are checking for her albums, but that happens with every artist. Um, like, even when I was growing up, I like, I personally don't listen to Keith Sweat, I respect him, but he was just not in my era of music. So I think that's probably what Sierra is going through as well. She's trying to cater to a demographic that just doesn't care. And I think that happens to all of us, right? Yeah, and and whoever's listening that's a Sierra fan, don't forget, if we say her mainstream career is over or she sold 5,000 albums, this is not a diss. We're just stating facts, and we like to discuss these things so we know it's the trends in the industry. So we're not trying to diss her. Kyle's actually a pretty big fan. Me, uh, I like a few songs here and there, but Ed, I don't think likes any, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we like yeah, Sierra, so. and we support her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, best of luck, and, and hopefully um, it's a learning experience this time around for her when she puts out another album. And for a lot of artists, Tom, it's interesting. And, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. It's like... When you are an independent artist, especially, you don't necessarily, you have, I mean, you have full creative control. So why continue to make trendy music to people that aren't your demographic? But at some point they'll learn. And I think 
hopefully at some point these R&B artists start figuring out, okay, these kids, they don't care about my music, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. But Tom, with that said, I am afraid about this new Brandy album that's going to come out very soon. Because what if she gets sucked into the same thing and she starts making trendy music and it fails and she sells 2,000 copies as well? I don't think she'll do 2,000. I think she has actual fans and she's built up a legendary career. I think she'll be okay. I don't think the numbers are going to be amazing, but whose numbers are amazing these days? Yeah. <laughs> no one is safe, Tom. No one is safe. Nope. Yep. Um, do you have any anniversaries that you want to uh, celebrate here? Because I know you've been posting a lot on Instagram, so what do we have? Yeah, there's a few that we recently celebrated. Um, Lucy Pearl's album was released 19 years ago. I mean, that was a real standout. When we talk about R&B supergroups, those three artists coming together, they didn't really mm-hmm. have many previous connections. I mean, yeah. um, Sadiq and Dawn are from the Bay Area, but, you know, it's that was a cool thing to see, you know, come together. And it was a solid project. They never could sustain that, but, you know, and do another album. Um, the Boy Is Mine. Do you remember where you were in 1998, Kyle? Uh, well, I was eight years old, so I was probably at home. But uh, <laughs> I do remember uh, how big that song was. And it was the music video was played all over. Uh, and yep. It was played all the time. But that song right there is, would you agree that it's, I mean, it's probably both of their biggest songs, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to say so. Yeah, you would, and Tom, it's interesting because I think they've only performed that song together like twice or three times in their career. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, we'd love to see more from that, but you know, yeah. I got one I read more. A, Your mo- oh, go ahead, Kyle. Well, actually, Tom, I I read something where it said, um, I, I mean, how many years is it celebrating now? This is the twenty first. Yep. Yeah, someone had tweeted and said that they can literally just tore off this one song together with both of their with how extensive both of their discography is that that should be something that would be epic but hopefully we see it one day because they can do it they have a lot of hits and they have this song which is legendary egos kyle egos yeah that's unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) and the last one and your mom would be impressed with this one i think i think your mom liked this album but tony braxton's single you're making me high 1996 oh yes yes. this is all she played (laughs) in 1996 in the car (laughs) this is all i heard tom i grew up to this album this is this is the album that would probably uh explain my love for army it was this and the daydream album by mariah carey hold hold on a second how old were you in 1996 i was six so did you have any idea what was going on in those lyrics at the time? No idea. All I know is uh <laughs> all I know is on this album Kenny G was playing the heck out of that saxophone and I was like, "Man, whatever this music is, it sounds good." Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive. So, indeed. Now, Tom, before we get into the play of please cuz I mean it's going to be an early play of please cuz you have to go. And we're going to have to bring in our guests. But can I ask you a serious question here? What's up? Do you remember the song Heard It All Before by Sunshine Anderson? I do remember it. I mean, first of all, that song is a classic, right? It's an anthem. You put that on, people start immediately dancing and grooving. And the females love that song. I think Missy posted it like a couple of days ago, too. Yeah, Missy was rocking out to it. So I guess the question I have, and I think you actually asked this question, but I'd love to hear what your answer is um, now that you've talked to Ed about it as well. But Sunshine Anderson, and no disrespect to Sunshine, but people only remember her for that one song, uh, heard it all before, but she's looked at in greater light or, or people regard her in, in, as a, a better artist than someone like a Truth Hurts who also really just had one big record. Or Blue Cantrell, who just had big one big record. What is it about Heard It All Before that really uh, resonates with people? Well, I think what Ed said, and um, he made a good point, those other two artists, Truth Hurts and Blue Cantrell, their single was kind of gimmicky. And it, even though it's still played, it's not looked at as, you know, something that's a, a, 
like a, I guess maybe some people would call it a classic, but really it's just a fun song. I think Sunshine Anderson's single, Heard It All Before, was more of something that spoke to the ladies. You know, it really resonated, and it's re- it really gets you grooving. Not that those other songs don't, but it's just a quality R&B song that was fresh and unique at the time. You know, not gimmicky at all. And I think people recognize that Sunshine Anderson, if they heard that first album, there was other good songs on there. You know, we love the song, Lunch or Dinner as well, the other single. Uh, shout out to our boy Mike City for all his work with Sunshine. But yeah, I mean, I just think that, you know, people still just love that song. Just like um, uh, Coffee Brown, who we we brought before, how they're still looked at positively because of their one single. People still ask, where are they? So I think that's what it is. I've never, uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry, this is not a diss, but I've never heard any of our readers ask what's up with Truth Hurts or Blue Cantrell. I don't know if you have. Um, well, the last time I spoke to Blue Cantrell, she said that she was on the comeback and she was going to be as big as she was in 2001, so I'm still waiting on that. Oh, boy. You had to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we kind of have to. <laughs> hey, Kyle, uh, Kyle, we should get Sunshine Anderson on a, one of our upcoming podcasts. We haven't thought about that. Yeah, yeah that would be awesome. Uh, I think she's, uh, she's done enough. and I mean, she has, that, yeah. she, has a one, well, she has one song that's like massive, but... You remember when she put out, when did uh, Lie to Kick It come out? That was like 2010? Yeah. We interviewed yeah, her back bet, then when that came out. I bet 95% of the people listening didn't even know she had an album out then, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But that's that's how tough R&B is. Um, Tom, can we get into the Play of Please Awards? Yeah, let's do it. <sighs> um, so... As you know, Tom, our goal has been to bring in a special guest on the Soul Back R&B podcast every week, right? Yep. And guys, if you see the amount of brainstorming and, and plotting that we're doing, it's it's actually crazy. Tom has a whole spreadsheet full of artists that we're trying to get, <laughs> and uh, it's actually something else. But we reached out to an artist, Tom, uh, to join us on the Soul Back podcast, and they asked for an appearance fee. Tom? Man, hold on. Let me take a moment to compose myself. Do you know that how many episodes of this podcast have we done? It's over 100. And then in addition to that, we've done over nearly 1,000 interviews since we started the site. Not once have we ever been asked to pay a fee to interview an artist. I can't even fathom how that would come up. It must be some money-hungry loser manager who is going on a power trip or something. I wonder if the artist even knows, but man, that is so disappointing. We're trying to support these artists. We're not, you know, just using these artists to big up ourselves and our brand. We don't need that. So, man, I, what did you think about that? Um, I think you hit it on the point. It's it's actually kind of sad, and it's also why they're getting a play of pleases. Tom, in, in 2019, how many outlets are truly supporting the genre of R&B and these artists? Who, like I said earlier, they're not in the mainstream era of their career anymore. This is like the afterlife where they're independent and they really got to push if they want to. And if they don't want to, but there's an outlet that wants to do it for you, you should say yes every single time. It takes 20 minutes of your life to do an interview. And and it means so much to the fans and the people that have gone and supported you throughout the years. But Tom, it's just disappointing. It is, man, but you know what? Screw that artist. We've got plenty of other gracious artists, producers, writers who would love to join us, and we're going to make it happen. Yeah, but if we save a little bit of money, we can probably get them on the podcast, too. So we're not going to say who it is, but uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. (laughs) It is not a big name, we'll tell you that much. And it would surprise you. Yep. Uh, now, Tom, let me pause the play, please, really quickly, because we talked about R&B community and, and outlets. Can we say R.I.P. to the founder of uh, This Is R&B, Jamie? Yeah, rest in peace to Jamie Wexler, the owner, founder of This Is R&B. Um, really created one of the best R&B sites and outlets over the past decade and has been in music for, I think, 20 years. He was doing mixtapes before that and stuff like that. Uh, unfortunately passed away at a young age. It was really sad, you know, especially hits home because I knew him well. 
covering events, going you know, going to all types of shows with him, listening parties. Whenever I'd see him, we'd talk about music, talk about you know what's going on, what's going on with the sites, and he was just like us. He's a good dude. He loved R and B. Um, you know, unfortunately, this happened, and you know, it's it's sad, and um, it's not only sad that he lost his life, but it's a big blow to the R and B community. There's very few sites left, like you mentioned, and you know, it's getting smaller every year. So, you know, we we put up a post shouting him out and his family. So. Thank you, Jamie, for your contributions to R&B over the years. You'll be missed. Yeah, absolutely. I met Jamie in New Orleans when we were at the Essence Festival, and while you and I were snacking away and eating, what were those peanut butter cookie things called again? <laughs> oh, um, Nutter Butters. Yeah, while we were going, actually it was just me because I had never tried them, and I was eating like five <laughs> packs of those. Uh, Jamie, and we have to remember him as a family man too because... He actually went with his family to like to the swamps to look at like crocodiles and stuff. And, oh yeah. Uh, so he, he he when it was family time, he spent time with family. When it was business, he was taking care of business. Whereas with me and you, we were just getting drunk off daiquiris and eating other <laughs> butters. So it was good times. Oh, God. <laughs> oh boy. R.I.P. Jamie. Yep. Absolutely. But Tom, back to the player, please. Um, I okay. came across this, and it was really interesting. And we're not job shaming, but I thought this was the funniest thing ever. I was scrolling through my Facebook, and I found uh, DJ Soulchild's post. Tom, he will be DJing at Domino's Pizza. Listen, man, I'm not job shaming. I'm just like, damn, they celebrate Domino's Pizza out there like that? You know, <laughs> I, they have a party and a DJ. Here in the U.S., it's like an embarrassment if a Domino's opens. That's like, oh, cr- oh here comes come crappy pizza again. <laughs> <laughs> come on. But, but hey, man, DJ Soulchild, get that money, man. We're not mad at you. Actually, I'm curious. Are they paying him in money or are they paying him in pizza? <laughs> we got to find That's out. That's a very valid question. We do. Yeah, because if, if they're going to give me that pizza, they can take it back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man. No, p- Domino's is fine. Pizza Hut is what you have to worry about. That thing is a baseball. It's not bad. It's just that I live in New York City. We've got some of the best pizzas. So if you're out with Domino's Pizza, you're an embarrassment to the city. Damn, it's like that. (laughs) Yep. All right, all right, all right. Um, So, Tom, the guest is going to be coming in soon, and I know you have to go in like three minutes. So can you just fill us in on what's going on with the website? Yeah, a lot of new stuff has come out over the past week. Uh, head over and check it out. Uh, we didn't mention our boy Adrian Marcel has a new album out. I didn't get to listen to it yet, so I didn't really want to talk much right, about right. it yet. Um, yep. Check that one out. Um, there's a new unreleased Eric Benet song that just released. We posted on the site. Your boy Jacquees has a new song. Uh, Raheem has a new album coming out. He just revealed the release date on that one. Um, and then uh, RL, our boy, has his new single out. Um, he mm, talked yeah. a bit about it on the podcast, so make sure you check that one out. And uh, we premiered once again a new song from Gabriel Lin. The song is "Kissing You." We love the first single we premiered, and uh, shout to our boy Rio who hooked us up with the premiere. So we enjoy supporting her. But that's pretty much it. A lot of good stuff on the site. Go head over and take a listen. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, all those names that you just mentioned, uh, or at least most of them, we'll have them on the podcast at some point. That's the yep. goal. Uh, as, as we've stated many, many times, we're going to try to have a guest every special. I mean, every week for the rest of the year. Um, I have one coming up next week, Tom. We have Jagged Edge, which I've already announced, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, we're just going to keep this thing going. And uh, Tom, I know you got to get out of here, but can we just take a moment to celebrate the Millennium Tour? It's finally over. It is, I think, the highest grossing. Uh, uh, tour of 2019 or maybe second I think but that was a great tour it was awesome to see what they did with that I'm hoping more artists will come together and do something similar but um, we'll see but much respect to everyone who was a part of that yep and we're going to get every single one of them on the podcast Tom I know you got to run now so you go do that and I will take care of the special guest right now and this week we have someone very special Someone that actually personally was one of my first interviews that I ever did, uh, part of the amazing Black, 
uh, has given us hits, was actually part of a cult classic film, Bring It On, but we have Brandy from the group. How's it going, Brandy? Hi, it's going great. Awesome. So, first off, can we say rest in peace to Natina Reed and give her a shout-out really quick, because, man, Natina was special. Absolutely. My sister, we miss her. Rest in peace. She is never forgotten. And um, we are definitely hoping that she's proud of us and, you know, just she's one of our angels up there. So we're just, you know, keeping it moving, but we miss her so much for sure. Absolutely. So um, as we're looking um, into it now, it's been 20 years since Black's debut. And, I mean, time has time has passed by quick. Um, but just take me back to 20 years ago when you guys released that debut album. Um, you know, what are your fondest memories of that album? I can't believe it's been 20 years. Like, <laughs> it just, like, blows my mind when we even say that. But um, I just feel like our one of my fondest memories is just actually being able to um, go in when it used to be record stores 20 years ago <laughs> and um, actually be able to, like, buy the album. Like, Shamari and I went to, I think it was um, – I think it was like Blockbuster Music or something at the time. And we ran in and bought the album when it came out. And we were just so excited. So this is another yeah, exciting time, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to ask, Brandy, who was uh, responsible for J.C. Chazé saying the line, are you feeling my pins, my baggy jeans, and my side appeal? Because that's <laughs> still the funniest thing to us. <laughs> Let's see. Corey Rooney and Billy uh, Lawrence wrote that record. So... They're responsible for the lines. We had nothing to do with that, but we're happy that JC wanted to be a part of it, and we love all the guys, um, you know, in sync there. They're like our brothers, so really excited that he was a part of that. Yeah, and it's interesting because with NSYNC being a part of that song, I think it, it, it kind of brought a new audience to that song. I mean, that song did eventually cross over and establish Black as a group, but what did the NSYNC impact have on that song? Well... Not just the song, like we were fortunate um, enough to tour with them. So our very first tour was um, opening for them. And so just to be able to um, gain their fan base and then we were able to release a record with them, it was just incredible. We had the same management at the time, Johnny Wright. So we were really like one big family and um, they really embraced us. When the album went platinum, they sent us roses. And I mean, it just, you know, we were one big happy family back then and you know we're just grateful to be a part of their lives and careers and and the same you know they're a part of ours so it's been great and brandy do you realize that on that album is potentially the saddest song of all time when the last two what song? oh i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but sometimes you know that's a part of life you know you have to take the good with the bad and you know, a lot of people reached out to us and said that that was one of their favorite songs. So, um, you know, like I said, you got to have the fun stuff and the sad stuff. Um, let's let's fast forward a little bit. I know I'm skipping here, but guys, if you want to mm-hmm. read the whole Black history, check out my interview that I did with Brandy way back in the day. It'll pretty much detail everything. But Brandy, can we give a shout out to the Blackout album? Because that album is still solid from, from front to back. Yes, we love the Blackout album. Actually, that was one of our favorite albums we recorded. Uh, we executive produced that album, so um, shout out to the Blackout album. I got to call you out. I don't know if I'm supposed to call you or whoever, but Questions, which is a song that my cousin back in the day played to death, that's not on Spotify or iTunes, is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the Blackout album is, but that song isn't on there, which is crazy. Which is crazy. We actually wrote Questions, which is another song that our fans actually adore and love, and we're so grateful and thankful that they love that record. But um, we have to listen to that, because I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that, that's not on the project. But, you know, with the Blackout album as well as the debut, what I really loved about Black along with the love songs and, and the fun party songs, but it was like the socially conscious records, like a Rainbow Drive or a Thinking About It. And you guys were so young at the time, so what kind of inspired you guys to do that type of music? Actually, we were very um, conscious <laughs> young ladies growing up. You know, we always wanted to 
to, you know, bring people together and, you know, just love and give love and show love and show people that that's, you know, what this world is about. And we wanted to make sure that our album reflected that because that's really, you know, who we are. So, um, yeah, we just wanted to make sure that that was being conveyed once we, you know, put our put our own album out. Yeah, and it kind of like comes from that TLC tree as one. Well. I think that is kind of what um, is kind of what Black's identity is. Is that they were able to make those type of records? Because I mean, any any '90s R&B group can make a love song, but it's just those songs that highlight what you guys could do best. I think. Thank you. For sure. I really appreciate so, that. Absolutely. So now talk about the chemistry between you and Shamari as well as Natina, but what I'll say is like Shamari is a vocal beast, but I think we <laughs> need to start highlighting your ability on the background vocals. Like without the background vocals that you provided, I don't think those songs would have turned out the way that they did. Oh, thank you. Shamari is incredibly talented and I learned a lot from her just um, being able to grow with her and and watch her as an artist, and her vocal, like, ability is crazy. I've been watching Shamari sing since I was 12 years old. So, like, she's incredible. I've always admired, you know, what she can do vocally, and I I feel like I've learned a lot. And um, I come from a long list of entertainers, and my dad, you know, he's, he taught me how to become an excellent um, person to hear harmonies and, you know, um, just have a strong ear. And so I always tried to make sure that, um, you know, if I was doing the lead or backgrounds that they were um, strong and, and, you know, present and and felt. <laughs> and so I hope that I accomplished that. For sure. What's, what's the key to maintaining or, you know, just checking your ego at the door when you're in a group? Because a lot of times people don't understand their roles, which leads to breakups, but... I mean, you guys played your role well. Like, you knew when it was time for you to go lead, but you were also okay with being in the background. Like, what's the key to all of that? Well, you know, it's about a puzzle. A group is a group. It's not about a one person. It's not an I, me show. Like, it's not the Brandy album. It's not the Shamari album or the Natina album. It was a group. So we all knew how to, you know, play our parts and play play our positions. And when it was time for somebody to step up and do something different, you know, we all had to back each other up, but, you know, that's what it takes to be a real group member is to know, you know, where you fall in line and then, you know, when it's time for you to step up, you step up, but don't forget that it's a group at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, for sure. And talk a little bit about your sisterhood with Shamari because, again, it's been 20 years since the album, but you guys have stayed tight throughout the years. I know you guys had released a couple of records over the past couple of years, but just talk about that sisterhood. Oh, yeah, we're sisters for sure. Like, it doesn't start or end with black. Like, we've been in each other's lives since I was 12 years old, and, you know, she's. I always tell people, like, she's the best, best big sister I could ever have. Um, you know, she's married and has two adorable twins, and, I learned a lot from her just as a woman and as a, you know, vocalist. And, you know, we every holiday, every birthday, we're right there. I'm the godmother to the boys and one of their godmothers. And, um, you know, we, we're a real family. You know, it doesn't stop with the music industry or, or start there. You know, we're a real family. So it's beautiful because a lot of groups don't get that opportunity to real, really have a real relationship, and we really do. Yeah, and, you know, we got to give a shout-out to the black fans as well because that, to me, they are probably the most loyal fans I've ever seen when it comes to R&B. They've yes, stuck with you guys, everything. Shout-out to the black because <laughs> they have been riding with us for 20 years, okay? So we are thankful and grateful for them. We will forever be grateful and thankful that they still care and want to hear and see and you know, just be a part and champion for us. So we just want to give a shout-out to the fans. We could not do this without you guys at all. And they all have their favorite songs, but what's your favorite song from the Black Discography? Oh, it changes through, like, you know, through the years, I guess. Um, my first, my very first favorite song when when we put the album out was Lenny. That was my first 
favorite off the album. I love Rainbow Drive. Um, 808 is probably my favorite right now because I just love how the drums are. Like, the track to me on 808 is incredible. Um, I had to learn to appreciate that song. I didn't really like it when we first recorded it. I felt like it was super urban and really wasn't us, but, you know, it was a big song for us, and we're thankful for it, and I love it now. So with all this said now, it's been 20 years since Black's debut album, and, of course, you guys are finally going to release an album. And, Brandy, let me tell you, every time that I've interviewed you or Shamari or Natina, all the fans would rush me, message me, and say, ask them about the Torch album. And it's finally <laughs> coming out. So, And it's crazy, yeah. right? But, but I mean, for those that aren't aware of the Torch album and why it has such a big buzz around it, can you just give the fans some insight or the readers some insight on what the Torch album is? Yes. Yeah, so the Torch album is actually the very last album, studio album, um, label album that uh, we recorded with Natina. So this is... Pretty much the last album you're going to get with the three of us, which is super special. We recorded this album when we were signed to Electra Records. Sylvia Rome was the president at the time, and um, some things happened over there where, you know, labels, things change, label heads get changed, and she actually was the person over our project. So once she moved to a different um, company, they basically just decided to drop a lot of her artists, and we were one of them. But the blessing of that um, situation was that they gave us the album. So we actually owned the album. And, um, you know, losing to Tina and just, you know, trying to figure out what to do next, our fans just kept saying, like, hey, guys, we really want this album. Like, they put a petition out saying, like, hey, can we get this album? And Shamari and I was like, you know what, instead of us trying to put a new album out with just the two of us, let's give the fans what they've been asking for for the last, like, you know, 10 years or whatever. <laughs> like, they've been asking for this album even before Nathina passed away. Like, it's been crazy. But um, we were like, you know what, our 20-year anniversary um is coming, and what better way to give our fans what they've been asking for forever um and celebrate with them with this album and so we're really excited <laughs> hopefully they love it as much as they've been wanting it so we're excited for sure and i got a chance to listen to the album a couple days uh earlier and it's kind of interesting because i've interviewed you before what? i've interviewed natina and shamari as well and you guys have all consistently said that this isn't you know, your favorite Black album. And from listening to it, I can understand why, because it doesn't necessarily feel like a Black record. The songs are good, right. but just to me, because I know the history of Black and the discography, it doesn't feel like it. And I think you come across that a lot with artists that are on major labels. They're kind of put into a certain direction and they record based on that. But now that it's point, that now that it's a decade later and you're able to put it out, like when you listen to that album now, what are the emotions that come? I don't know. I'm really nervous about it because, like you said, it's not our favorite. You know, it was really um, driven by Sylvia and the label. Like, they picked um, a lot of the producers that we worked with on the album. So it wasn't like we had a big hand in creating it as far as, like, the writers and producers and all of that. But now when I listen to it, I'm like, you know what? It's not as bad as I thought. And everybody <laughs> loves it that's heard it so far. Like, they're like, you know, it sounds like you guys recorded this today, and it's not as old as, as it is. So that makes me feel good about it. I just can't wait to see what happens on the 31st. Like, I'm really excited to see. Right. Do you ever think back and, and imagine what if that album did come out? Yeah, I do. <laughs> What what do you think it would have been like for you guys? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think that we had a you know a couple strong singles that could like I'm good, um, which is actually not a part of the album, but they um, used it as kind of like a introduction to like okay, here's the new black. We're gonna put a single out through Honey, and then um, go to they dropped Ugly which Missy Elliott did, and I don't know. I think it would have set us up to be able to do more great music in the industry. I really do. I feel like it would have set us up to be on another 
level, but I feel like God's timing is incredible. And um, for people to feel like that this album sounds like we recorded it today means that, you know, it, it was God's plan that it should come out now and not then. So I'm grateful for that. Right. And let me tell you, um, there was a record on there, and it kind of it kind of just suited your vocals very well because we've mentioned before you you look up to Janet, but it's the record yeah. fall through. That sounds like something that's oh, in your yeah. album. <laughs> I love fall through. It's a good song. I love that song. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. So I, I want to hear your story because we've talked to, and I, I like to ask this to every artist that joins us here, but it's just you know, when you first got into the industry, obviously there was a point in time where singing and, and performing was just for fun, but do you remember that first moment when you re- realized, wait a minute, this is not for fun anymore, this is an actual career, it's it, it's a job, it's something I'm doing, and it's going to make me money? Yeah. Like, do you remember that moment? Um, I feel like when we had to sit down with our lawyers and with, you know, making decisions about firing and hiring and you know, money decisions and, you know, stuff when it gets to that kind of stuff, budgets and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you realize, like, okay, this is not just about singing and dancing and, you know, having a good time. Like, literally, you have to make big girl decisions. And we were teenagers, you know, talking about million-dollar video budgets and, you know, who are we going to hire to do this and that. And so we had to grow up really fast and, and, and make really – major decisions for our lives and our careers really early, but, um, hey, that's the life we chose, and and we made it happen, but that's probably the first time I was like, okay, this is real life, not just funny (laughs) things. Yeah. And And what about in the studio? Like, singing live is a lot different than singing in the studio. In the studio, you gotta hit that perfect note, you gotta hit, get that perfect Mm -hmm. run in, like, what was that first experience? Were you was there a studio session where you were just in there for a long time trying to get that oh, one part yes. down? Studio sessions are a long period. Like every song takes, you know, it's just not it's an all day or all night process, and which is great because you need to make sure it's right. Like you know, sometimes you can spend a couple of days on one song just to make sure that it's right. So we have had those times where it was like, okay, we're on. This song, or it would be like, okay, we're just in Chicago. Like when we sh- when we uh, recorded 808, we were in Chicago for two days, and it was like we got to get it done. So it was no time to kind of play around. We had to get it get it done and get out. So um, it just depends. But yeah, it's definitely moments where we were in there for days trying to just get one note or one lyric or one you know something right. So it's a part of it. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the major differences between then and now where, you know, there's so much accessibility now for these new artists to record at any time, any place. And I think because of that, some of that process of having to get that perfect note, like that's gone missing a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, it is. I mean, like my sister, Cody Shane, is a part of the new generation of music now, and I watch her record, and this is a different process, you know, like it's how the songs are structured, how, you know, how they sound, all of that is is just different. But different is good, and it's it's evolving, and it should not be what it was 20 years ago. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's not real music, but it's their music, and it's our music, you know, so we should embrace that instead of trying to, you know, keep a hold on what was, we have to embrace what is. And um, I appreciate, you know, they, they're taking what we um, started and laid the foundation to and they're turning it, in, turning it into what they want it to be. And that's, you know, that's what you do. That's how growth happens. So um, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And shout out to Cody Shane, who's doing big things. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So just a couple more questions for you. So with this release of, with the release of this Torch album, and I know you and Shamari have dropped some records um, over the past couple of years. Is, are there plans to work on new music, or is, is this just to celebrate oh, yeah. the 20-year anniversary Absolutely. for now? Yeah, we're going to um, definitely be releasing some new music after, you know, we 
do a good run with Torch. Um, but like I said, we just really wanted to do this first. I felt like our fans would have still been like, okay, yeah, we love this new stuff, but where's Torch? So <laughs> we just kind of <laughs> wanted to give them what they've been asking for and then say, okay, you got what you want, now here's some new stuff. Right. Cool. And then last question for you. This is kind of a dumb question maybe, but because I've never experienced it, but what is it like having music fans, you know, since since the start of your career, having fans, and, you know, you're associated with TLC as well, and, you know, Shamari is associated with New Edition. What is it like to have those crazy fans that still rock with you? Oh, it's incredible. Like, we wouldn't be here without our fans. Like I said, they have been championing for black, like, you know, we're thankful that people still care. It's been 20 years. They could have been like, okay, been there, done that. You know, they could look at us like one-hit wonders or whatever, but they don't. You know, they feel like, you know, we made an impact in our time, and they still want to hear us and see us and love on us and, you know, continue to support us, and we love them. We would never, ever, ever be here without them, and we appreciate them. And um, we hope that we're making them happy and proud with continuing to move forward and putting this Torch album out. And I hope that they, you know, just love it and are excited as we are on the 31st. And we love you guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I hope the fans are grateful because a lot of times artists don't release this type of music, this unreleased music. So the fact that you guys are doing it shows your appreciation to the fans as well. So I hope they go out and support it. Yes, thank you. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Brandy, that's all that we have. We're we're out of time, but is there anything you'd like to add? No, I just want to say thank you again, and we're all looking forward to the 31st, and just keep, you know, checking our social media um, outlets to find out what we're doing next, and um, we'll see you guys on the 31st. We love you so much. All right, guys. All right, Brandy. Um, you know, we'll always support Black, so definitely keep the music coming. We'll always keep the fans informed. But, you know, best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. All right, that was Brandy from Black on the podcast. And, I mean, I guess that's it. Tom's already gone. Uh, that was my solo interview podcast. I hope you guys liked it. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk more R&B. So hope you guys all have a good week. All right, take care.